Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about the Impact Winter Capsule. It contains the coziest scarf and the most perfect pleated skirt. I designed the scarf to be, well, the absolute coziest. It's completely hand-knit of a soft acrylic yarn and the style of the knit makes it warm but also breathable. No more sweating with your scarf on and freezing when it's off. The, the coziest scarf comes in three colors, green multi, pastel multi, and black and white combo. It comes beautifully gift wrapped so it's easy to check off everyone on your list. Find it on impactfashionnyc.com under accessories or at the link in the show notes. And don't worry, the most perfect pleated skirt is coming soon and I'll share all the details once they're finalized. One last thing, I have no idea what happened here, but for some reason Malky's side of the audio sounds like she's underwater. I assure you this conversation took place on dry land and it's well worth a listen even if the audio quality is not up to my usual standards. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a comedian and entertainer about her career. She tells us all about her first gig and quitting her first job with absolutely no plan. And she also shares the process of finding her voice in kosher media and what she hopes to accomplish with the movies she makes. I love Malky Knopfler. And the thing is that everyone who I say that to immediately agrees with me. Oh, Malky, she's such a doll, so pleasant to work with. You know the type of person who just radiates and attracts goodness? That's Malky. And I think it comes from her being crystal clear of her own values and what she stands for. In this interview, you'll hear her use the phrase, it's not something my soul is comfortable with. And that's where I think Malky's magic comes from. She listens to her soul. Let's just say I was the classic middle child. <laughs> feel like middle children have that like thing about them you know what I'm saying like not not quite a part of the olders and not the youngers and always feeling out uh, a lot of my childhood was that but also struggling to figure out who I am I know that I was a funny kid I always had that need to be in the spotlight because of middle child syndrome like you try to you know what I'm saying it just makes so much sense like who I am right now because I, I love the stage I love acting I love putting on a show which is funny because on the other hand I find myself I know that I'm like as real as it gets so it's, it's a very conflicting situation to be in the, the persona that I am but it's just amazing how everything that I went through as a child and as a person has brought everything to full circle to what I'm doing today. So it's amazing. Um, I was always a little kid doing speeches and in the plays and, you know, the big parts and like in camp, that's where I really found my true colors. And because, you know, it's hard to shine in school um, when you're not a good student, which I was not. Um, and that's basically it. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? It's so funny that you ask this because I, as I get older, I find myself more and more in the need of being an introvert. Being an extrovert exhausts me. 
Um, I love people and I love socializing, but it exhausts me. And I feel like I need to recuperate a lot after being out. For me, lately, because I'm always out and I'm always on and I'm always like meeting people, for me, I just love being in. I love sitting on my couch with my furry blanket and just like relaxing and doing nothing. Like for me, as you get older, free time is a luxury. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I just need I'm just overworked and I need to relax or does that mean that I'm an introvert it's really really interesting because I feel like I am a introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert yeah they have both sides to me yeah, I'm, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, we're, we're I think, very similar personality-wise and that we're both very outgoing. And I w- I'm also a middle child and I was also the the loud kid and, and all of that. Yeah. Out of curiosity, where do you, I'm number three of four. Where do you fall on the spectrum? Four of six. Okay. So yeah, true, true middles we both are. Exactly. And it's, we have the need to create because we have to. Exactly. That's how we express ourselves. You know, it's amazing. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. So interesting. This whole, like, you know, if you think about where people are placed in families, like the oldest people, you could tell when someone is an oldest. Yeah. And like, if you really look deeply into the persona of people, you can sometimes figure out that, okay, this is a little child, you know, it's just. Right. You know? It just, it just makes sense sometimes. (laughs) Totally. You mentioned that you've always been performing and, you know, always center stage and, and all of that. Uh, For someone who might not know, can you tell people what it is that you do? Oh gosh. What, you know, I feel like my mother, my mother probably has done every single job like that is available besides a plumber like that. I think she left to professionals, but she's done it all. My mother has taught, mother has, has um, been a party planner she she's done so much like right now it's not even coming to me but like i know there's like a whole list what do i do so basically i'm a stand-up comedian in the from jewish community for women my audiences are only for women and i also act in jewish movies so it's an amazing world out there where people are using their talents from jewish women are using their talents to produce movies to write scripts um to act there's so many um facets of the whole industry and it's out there and we are making from clean kosher uh media for people out there um i'm also very active on social media i do uh, marketing on media um it just all came organically through my comedy i started out as like a foodie on instagram and it just evolved from there So I'm always busy with something. If it's not one thing, it's another. And also a full-time mommy and a wife, thank God. And um, yeah, it's... So you have tons of free time, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, totally, totally. That's that's the point. It's, you know, obviously when you say from, you're talking about the Orthodox Jewish world and this idea of female-centric entertainment um, particularly among our group is fascinating to me. Um, personally, I am someone who will watch mainstream, you know, movies, videos, YouTube, like to me that, you know, that, that was not anything that ever, that I ever felt like I needed. But if you're from, uh, perhaps a more closed place, then you, 
Right. If yeah, more sheltered. Exactly. If you're from a more sheltered place, then you then you wouldn't, you wouldn't be watching TV or movies or you might not even have internet in your home. So when you say that you are in Jewish, you know, movies and videos, you're still like, you're still selling DVDs. That's the, yeah, that's, that's the level that you're at. I'm so curious. How do, how did you decide to even become a standup? Was that something that just happened or was it a conscious choice that you made? It's something that happened also organically because, um, at first, um, I'm sure you know Lady Foster. Of course. She's a previous guest on the show and her episode is fantastic. Um, I'll link it in the show notes of this episode so that anyone can listen to it. But yeah, she it, it's a fantastic interview. You no, know, I, I am always very conscious of the fact that she is the person that started me out on this on this road. Uh, Leah has been doing comedy too. Maybe a drop more than me because she started earlier. She's a drop older than me. Um, but we went to camp together. We went to school together. Um, we've acted together in performances. Um, it was always, you know, like Malki and Leila, like, you know, the funny kids in camp with another girl, Haiti, Haiti Weiss. Um, it was just the three of us having a great time. And, um, she started doing movies for a time, which is an, a wonderful organization. And she was like, Malki, I need, I need someone else in the movie, you know, come, come be in it with me. Um, so I would just like, you know, for fun, do it, um, do her a favor. And, um, and then, you know, she was very involved with Mikimi, which is an organization that goes to visit sick children in the hospitals, children, moms, you know, obviously only, um, female, because that is what we do in the from Jewish community. Um, and at one point she was like, Naki, you know, maybe you'd be really so good at this, like to go to the hospitals or go to homes where children are recuperating or they're in between treatments. And she basically pushed me to go and start this because it's a very hard thing to do. And you need to have that little extra push. So she pushed me to do this. I started it. It was so devastating, yet the most amazing feeling at the same time. Like, I would get calls, like, two days after I would go to someone telling me that they are no longer alive, that they passed away, and that they passed away with laughter on their lips and on their face or whatever. Um, It would literally, it would kill me, yet invigorate me at the same time. It's, it's, my life is always about extremes, and, like, this is where it started. And then I started doing more and more, and then Leia had a comedy one night where she had to cancel and the people were obviously upset. So she called me. She's like, Monkey, please, I'm going to give you my material. Just play some the, the songs, whatever. She gave me a DVD of songs to sing with them. And like, literally, I remember I got paid, she paid me $200 <laughs> to go to the comedy. Suffice to say, I did not make not one person laugh because it was a totally different, um, it was a totally different audience that I was expecting. It was a very different um demographic that I was used to, but that is how I jumped in. Literally, sometimes you need to really jump into the hot water, you know what I'm saying? And from there, it just snowballed slowly, 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 and you build it up, and you build it up, and you start writing your material, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and grab a, a notepad and, like, write down ideas that I heard of, and then I just started, like, noticing things in my life that were so crazy, but I knew people would be able to relate to that's when my comedy exploded because my comedy is 100% me, my life, realistic life that I embellish. Everything is true. Everything I speak about in my comedies are real life. So basically, that is how 
everything snowballed and it's amazing that's how life works something's supposed to happen when you put in the effort and you put in the work it's gonna happen if you want it you know right how long ago was it that you started that that leah gave you that gig really 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 long ago i mean my big boy is almost 15 Mm -hmm. two at that time he was a little little kid so we were do. he's actually in the first movie that i did with leah for a time he was probably not even two yet so I started doing this probably like 14, 15 years ago. Yeah, and what what is so, what I love about the, that is that you are, you know, some someone might just be learning about you now and be like, oh, one day there wasn't Malky and one day there was Malky and look, she's successful. But there is no such thing as an overnight success. It literally doesn't exist. These days I see it happening a lot on Instagram, especially with like the amazing, amazing Jewish singers we have out there. I mean, if they have the right connections, I see that like literally their page could blow up. Um, it's very big now, which is wonderful. Jewish music and Jewish performers, it's really nice to see. And, but I see that very, uh, you know, these days in Instagram land, you could, you could turn into overnight sensation. Yeah, but I wonder how many of those overnight sensations are actually paying their bills off of that success. And I would think that it's not very many. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's a very different world. And even, you know, I, I was a makeup artist for a couple of years. Um, also, that's also something that I had a massive burning passion for. I had to use my hands. I had to. And I, I said, I, I love doing makeup. I was doing makeup as a girl, even. Like, people would line up by my bed and camp. And I would do everybody's eyes, because that's what I was known for. And, um, and then I said, you know what? I want to do this as my business. And I got up from a very well-paying job in Manhattan one day. And I was like, if I don't get up and leave, I will be here till I'm old and gray because I didn't do something. So I left a very well-paying job on the 47th Street Diamond District. And I said, goodbye, I'm leaving. Now, that was a huge mistake because A, I was pregnant with my first child. My husband was still learning, which is what a lot of the Jewish men do, like the first few years of marriage, they learn and they study and, you know, they grow in their total learning. Um, and that means that they're, and that means that they're not employed. They're um, not if, employed. if someone, exactly. If someone um, is choosing and it's, it's a decision that, uh, that a couple can make together and they'll exactly. usually discuss before they get married, but you had decided that that was what you wanted to do. You wanted um, <laughs> to have someone it's called Kolel. Yeah. It's, it's a type of, it's a type of yeshiva for married men. So um, that meant that you were the sole breadwinner. Exactly. And I got up and I left my job without any plan, without any, I didn't even have makeup at home. I remember my first job that I finally got like a couple of months after I left my job and we were living on pennies, literally. I had to like decide what I wanted to buy for, you know, like food. It was a decision. I couldn't just like throw things in my cart, which we all like, a lot of us take for granted. Oh yeah, let's put that, you know, I literally have to make conscious decisions. I have a list <laughs> that I put into my cart and I remember thinking to myself, I'm such an idiot. How, what? Like, this is how I work. I work a lot on my heart and my feelings and not enough with my brain. And Baruch Hashem, thank God, Baruch Hashem is a word for thank God, my husband has more brains than me, so we make a great, you know, team. Uh, these days, when we actually, you know, when I discuss things with him, sometimes I don't, and then I jump into things and I regret it, but we won't do it. But um, I left my job to become a makeup artist without even any experience, nothing. And those days, we had no YouTube. 
where most people learn how to do makeup these days. There was no YouTube. There was nothing. I went to the library. I took out books. I tried to brush up on my craft, and I started doing makeup, and I jumped into it. I feel really bad for the people that were my first few clients because they were the ones that I experimented on. But as time went on, and I learned more and more and more, because the best experience is experience. That's what I have to say, because that's the only way you learn things. So, yeah, I don't know how we got into this makeup conversation, but this is something I also did. I jumped into it, and I was doing makeup, and then I hurt my back, so I had to stop. But, yeah, I still got cool. Hi, you still do makeup? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Your makeup always looks fantastic, by the way, on your own face when I see it. You always, it always looks amazing, which is, it's honestly, I give you props for the patients to do it every morning, because if it takes more than five minutes, I am not interested. I'm like, whatever, tinted moisturizer and mascara, I'm done. You're you're, you're your classic beauty. You really, yeah, you look pretty always. Oh, I'm also, I'm also very passionate about not using filters at all in my Instagram stories because I feel like that just puts on such a unexpected um un what's the word for thrifty um like an unrealistic expectation expectations there you go um I feel like the young girls these days are expecting themselves to look like that right and it's just not true it's funny because I had I had like a very interesting relationship with filters um because when I started out on Instagram my page is still a very slow burn. So there was a long time, probably like a year or so when I was operating with maybe like 200 followers who were mostly like my friends and my cousins. Um, It was all people who knew me. So I felt like I had this really great um, little incubator where I could find my voice and my style really with pretty much zero pressure because most of my business at that time was coming from wholesale. So it wasn't like Instagram was just this other fun thing that I was doing. Um, And it was in that time when I realized the filters were messing with my head and it was my face. Like I knew I didn't like, I also noticed that when I was watching people and there was like butterflies flying around their head yeah. that it was just driving me nuts. Really? Because how can we take someone seriously when they're talking about an important topic with butterflies flying around their head? Right. Or, or like, or giant hearts coming out of their eyes. Yeah. And it's just, it was just so, so distracting. I guess for them, it's expressing themselves. It's a form of expression. But like, I don't know. For me, it just was like very fake and I just can't handle fake. So I, I can't handle fake. It's right. Why do you think it is that you have zero tolerance for fake? Because I think that's very true about you. I don't know why it is. It's just in my makeup. Like I feel it in my stomach. But something I feel very strongly physically when someone's being fake, it's just a reaction that I have. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's funny because I think that a lot of people would think that someone who is a performer and who puts on costumes and, you know, for, uh, you know, what you are in social media and what you are on in your videos and everything, that's a character. Yes. That's not monkey. And I think that, I think that I just find it really interesting that you don't really have a tolerance for, yeah, you know, like the, is, the fakeness. Right. I feel like this is also the other end of my, my two very extremes because I am extremely non-tolerant to fake yet also i have that other side of me that other extreme where i am a character so i feel like this is my my soul putting out that two extremes again where i am you know two opposites of a end of a of an extreme so it does make sense to who i am 
It might be right. who I am. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk more about the, the movies and the videos that you're in. Um, so it's, it's this fascinating section of entertainment that is, like you said, it's, it's kosher media. It's, it's geared towards a, a pretty sheltered audience in um, delivered in a very easy way where, you know, through a DVD or through a, you know, a flash drive of some kind where you don't need internet to view it. Um, and what's fascinating to me is that in like specifically within orthodoxy, that seems to be kind of the only place that you could be a performing woman. Um, you know, someone I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and say here that you would not be comfortable getting, um, you know, on a stage in front of a mixed audience or being pursuing like a traditional Hollywood type career. To like be out there, but like, obviously it's not something that my soul is comfortable with. Again, two ends of my spectrum. On one end, I'm like, yeah, I would love that. And on the other end, I know it's totally wrong for who I am as an Orthodox Jewish woman. So, right. So, I'd love to know what was it like finding your space in that, like in that kosher media? What was that like finding your niche where it was, where you were free to be totally expressive and totally creative in a safe environment um, and really serve the needs of a very particular audience. So amazing. I mean, when I got married, I was like, okay, this is it. This is where all my talents go to rest. And I just put myself into being, uh, you know, Jewish wife, a Jewish mom, you know, God willing. And I saw that that was that. Um, but then like opportunities arose and I'm like, look, I could, I could still do this. Being married and being orthodox and being does not mean I have to stop pursuing my talents. If anything, it's even better for me because this is how I can totally be my true self and serve you know, God in, in the best way possible by being myself. Because if I cut off that part of myself, I'm not really myself because this is one of the biggest essences of me. You know, so for me to be able to continue doing what I love, and this is just who I am, while being a mom, a wife, it is just something that is so needed for me to be myself 100% completely and truly. And I find, I find all the aspects of myself, the, the creative parts of me make me a better person. And it makes me be able to access every part of my soul, you know, in, in the way that I need. Now, you telling me that this is just, I just want to mention that you have said that, you know, this is just for sheltered people. I have followers on Instagram that message me that they have daughters who are unfortunately, you know, sliding, like they say, you know, to a, a, different, a different world. They are getting a little more open-minded. They are watching you know, non-Jewish movies, which is also in, in certain areas of the Orthodox world, there are people that do that. And they message me and they tell me, you know, my daughter only watches non-kosher videos. And I want you to know that the only from Jewish movies they watch are yours, the ones that you're in. So getting messages like this from mothers telling me that for that one hour, they knew that their child is watching, you know, a 15, 16 year old girl is sitting and watching something kosher and something entertaining is just amazing to hear, you know, if I stop right. in the grocery store all the time. Now with the masks on, it's a little easier because I can camouflage a little better. I wear my bangs down, down to my eyeballs and I wear my mask up to my lower lashes 
And basically all people see is like my brown eyes, like darting, sorry, not brown. I have hazel eyes, hazel. As a kid, I was always like, I don't have brown eyes, I have hazel eyes. I, I, very, very, I knew that word very early because my doctor had once said to my mother that she has hazel eyes and it sucks. So I was very busy. All my life correcting people, I don't have brown eyes. It's well, it's a very important detail very, for a little very, girl, of course. You know, it's like a greenish brown. Anyway, so um, pre-corona, people would stop me all the time in the grocery store. Like a grocery shopping would take me three hours, literally, telling me that they have disabled children, children in the hospital, if they themselves were in the hospital. And this is what literally kept them from losing their minds from boredom because there was a whole plethora of Jewish movies. Mine are not the only ones. Right. and producers are not the only ones. There are many, many, many out there that people produce that are kosher and Jewish and entertaining, and it's just amazing. And I think that the world has exploded with it, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's funny because there's a part of me that almost wishes like. I wish that there were more opportunities. I wish that there were more safe spaces for Orthodox women to express themselves creatively. And like, I, I wish that, I wish that, that, you know, mainstream Orthodox magazines would, would print our faces and things like that. Cause I think that not doing that is ridiculous. Um, and I wish that there were more mainstream Orthodox places where you could be a, you know, an Orthodox modest woman and still show your show your brains or your creativity or something like that yeah. and the and oh, sorry yeah no please go you know, these days though more than ever you you see look at yourself you're expressing your creativity you opened your own business you're using your talents to bring in you know money to your you know to pay your bills um now more than ever there are women out there using their brains opening businesses i mean you see it so 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 much i mean have you gone to the jwe and seen have yeah. seen all the women entrepreneurs that are out there it is just mind-boggling and amazing and i'm so proud of that, that yeah and there's but here's the thing see the the thing that i struggle with in that is that i had to be an entrepreneur because if I wanted to be in a, in a from modest fashion space, there is no infrastructure for that. And there is no, um, you know, there were no companies that I could kind of plug myself into. And there were opportunities from traditional Orthodox media that were closed to me. There were things that I was told, you are much more qualified than every man that we have applying for this, but we can't print you or we can't feature you, or this is something that only women care about. This will get featured in the women's magazine. And that to me is, you know, you, we have this, we, you're right. There are these spaces where women, where, where Orthodox women can express themselves and can have that, um, that outlet. And I, and I find more and more that the places where that's doable are the places where there are no barriers to entry. So think about something like Instagram, the Orthodox Jewish Instagram space is huge, particularly among women. It is huge. We have our own influencers and companies and bloggers and everything. It's a it's an entire ecosystem. And I think that the reason why that exists within our communities is because in order to do that, you need a smartphone. That's it. You, the barrier to entry is so low. You don't need anyone's permission. Yeah. And once you get to the level where you need someone's permission, you know, once you need to get published in a magazine or once you want to get featured in a newspaper or something like that, that's where you start hitting these, 
institutional roadblocks. And that always frustrates me. And But at the same time, I'm really happy that for people who want to function in that very sheltered way, which again is 100% their choice. Um, you know, I don't begrudge anyone that, that choice. It's up to you to make that decision. I'm, I'm happy that for people who choose, who choose that way, that there are kosher entertainment options for them. Right. Right. I hear you. Um, honestly, I don't have a lot to say on this only because I feel on my own that like I've pushed through a lot of those boundaries and I've, you know, um, it's working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And if it's working for you, that's, that's fantastic. I'm curious what you would say to someone who is interested in, in getting into this kind of field is interested in breaking into the Orthodox media entertainment world. Um, what, what advice would you give to that? I feel like, you know, start, start, just do it. If you, um, if you want to do stand up, let's say, to do things pro bono first, like let's say for a tzedakah, like, you know, uh, a charitable organization is trying to raise money. That's what I did. In the beginning, I was doing um, comedies for all these charitable organizations for like pennies, like literally they didn't pay me even sometimes. And that's how word grows. You need, people message me all the time, like, how do you do it? It's like that fear, like you also want to. I'm like, they're sitting on the couch on Instagram and basically complaining. And I tell them, you know, you need, what did you do? Like, nothing but like what did he do nothing so i feel like people can't just sit and expect things to come to them because i feel like that's today's days people are expecting things to just fall into their laps and that's not the way world the world works obviously when i hustled and hustled and hustled yes a lot of things fell into my lap because i was opening myself to it i was working towards it and when you open up your you open yourself up to opportunities, that's when things fall into your lap. It's not going to fall into your lap if you're sitting on the couch on Instagram complaining that it's not fair. So that's what I say to people. I say, and also with, when I was on my clean eating journey and I was losing weight and I was feeling great, people also were like, it's not fair. Like, how are you doing it? It's like so hard. I'm like, I know it's so hard. Like, you know, what have you tried? Nothing. Uh, what changes have you made? nothing it's so hard so then why are you complaining if you did not try to like at least cut out sugar or cut out white flour or try to change up the oils that you're using to healthier oils um how, how are you complaining about not having any change in your you know in the way you're feeling and the way you're looking it's the same thing with this if you want opportunity you need to hustle that is the long and short of it you need to hustle i hustle 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 look at naomi nachman you know she has so many things happening. She has a show and she has this and she's a blogger and she's influencer and she wrote cookbooks. She doesn't stop hustling. I spent a day with her because we did um, the eight-time Chinese auction, you know, the live um, auction. We had a wonderful time together. I was blown away by her and so inspired because she did not stop hustling. She doesn't stop. And I learned so much from her from just a few hours that I spent with her. That is what it's about cannot complain. You need to do something. If you want to do something, you got to work for it. And that's it. I knew I wanted to become a blogger. I knew I could be good at it. I decided I'm going to hustle. I'm going to do what it takes, whatever I think it's going to take. Something worked, something didn't work. But I hustled for it and I put in a lot of work and people could see that. People have told me like, it's amazing how much work you put in to build your page. I worked really hard for it. You know, sometimes 
people are lucky, things fall into their laps, and it blows up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's like how much of a percentage of people are like that? Really? A few, a few, a few lucky stars, you know what I'm saying? But like most of the time, it's through hard work and grit. That's that's the you know. Yeah, and, and I think that also, you know, the the best time to start was yesterday. Yeah. And and the second best time to start is today. Just to just, you know, get get yourself going and, and to get yourself moving and to if there's anything that you want to accomplish to just kind of go for it. Um, what what is it that you're hoping to accomplish with the work that you do through your comedy and through your your movies and videos? Percent to inspire people. Literally, when I know that I inspired somebody to do whatever it is, like whatever it is, like whether it's my sourdough, whether it's my comedy, whether it's, you know, my acting, it makes them laugh. That laughter inspired them to get up and go. That laughter inspired them to just have a sunny, happy day. Anything. If I inspired anybody at all, for me, that is just like the ultimate, ultimate happiness for me. Like, it just makes me so happy when people tell me that I inspired them because I feel like inspiring people is just a, it's a ball that just keeps rolling. Cause imagine like if that person was inspired, who else did she inspire? And so on and so on. You know what I mean? So for me, I envision this like smiley bouncy ball coming off of me, bouncing into whoever it needs to bounce onto. And that just ping-ponging all through the world of like just good vibes and happiness and like just just goodness and and that's for me i just love it and to know that i i can i can inspire people through this or that or whatever oh, it's just for me that's the ultimate you know yeah that's yeah i think that that's that, that's very lofty of you <laughs> that's very uh I think so at least because I think that um you know we all want to feel like we're making a difference or we all want to feel like we are um having you know ha- having a positive effect on the people around us and you know to to be to be like very focused about that I just think is I just think it's very you. It's very you. Cause you are like, I, and I think that this comes across from anyone who follows you or who, and I've got had the pleasure of getting to know you, um, you know, over the past couple of months and you, you just radiate positivity and wonderfulness. It just, it like, it explodes out of you. You couldn't contain it if you wanted to. And I think that that is just painfully obvious to anyone who, yeah. who comes that's in to contact with you. Because that's all you see most of the time on Instagram. I do try to, make a conscious decision to also show the hardships because I feel like Instagram could be that place where people are just like in la-la land and they think that everything's amazing. And, oh, how do you stay positive all the time? I'm not positive all the time. I mean, <laughs> has Corona taught me anything to do? Yeah. I mean, my anxiety, I was just discussing this with my friend the other day. I was like, if you didn't have anxiety till now, welcome. You now have anxiety. If you did have anxiety till now, welcome. Your anxiety is now multiple 100 times. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God, like life is crazy. Life is hard. Life is challenging. We all have things in our lives that we're not talking about. Like, you know, I saw a thing the other day, like my life is like this, you know, and oh, people are not going to see this. So I'm making my, my hands like very white, but you only see this now making my hands very little. So basically, this podcast comes with closed captioning today. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. Sorry, repeat for that challenge. 
Yeah, you have to do it in my parentheses. She made her hands wide. Right. Narrow. Yeah, I'm just giving you some ideas, you know? <laughs> Instagram is that place where people use to escape, which is great. I think it's amazing people have a place to escape, but also the expectations and the reality are, are very, very important to make sure that people are not falling into that like la la land trap, which is really how do you how do you balance the like you said the responsibility that people don't fall into that la la land trap with your own need for privacy and you're just probably not wanting to share all the difficult things you're going through yeah um because i share the things that i feel that i'm okay like i i look at my page as a bunch of like women friends people that i would be like let's say standing in front of an audience right now the things that i would not mind talking about to an audience other things that I will share on Instagram. That's how I think about it. But would I stand up and say, you know, last night my husband and I, <laughs> we had like, no, I'm not going to discuss that. Or, you know, uh, one of my children, this and this child literally turns my hair gray. I'm not going to, like, obviously in, in the scope of funny, I do say things that my kids did or said, but like, I would never want to out one of my children to be you know, there are people in my life that know what I'm going through with certain, you know, children or whatever. Um, but I would never, ever, you know, do it to a point where I am, I'm belittling either my marriage or my children, which is sacred to me. My marriage is sacred to me and children are sacred to me. I do show my little child on Instagram because I know how much joy it brings to people. And it just brings me so much joy to do that. And like, if he tells me, mommy, don't, don't do your phone today. I won't do it. Like, I have tons of videos on my phone from him that are hysterical, but he asked me not to. And at that age, he's almost four, so he, he's conscious of what's going on. Um, obviously, he's, obviously, you know, he doesn't understand the full scope of it, and I do struggle a lot with should I, shouldn't I. The fear to him is enough, you know what I'm saying? Um, I right. try to use my judgment. I try not to overdo anything. Everything I put out on Instagram, I find, I feel... But everything has to have a conscious reason. Why am I posting this? What am I going to gain out of this? What am I going to teach with this? What am I going to, um, you know, what am I going to be able to um, put out with this? And if it's joy and happiness and also reality, then I do it. If it obviously does not hurt anybody in the process. I'm always constantly editing my videos. I will go and delete stuff if I feel that maybe, maybe it just didn't have the right tone if i'm saying something that just sounds a little off color i will delete it because i'm very conscious of how i put myself out there because not that i'm faking things but i am i am what's the word for it so I'm, I'm not censoring myself because curating no but like the things that i want to talk about i will come out and i will talk about it and i right. certain things that i am passionate about but there's a lot of things i'm passionate about that i don't rant about you know what i'm saying so like Right. If it doesn't, you know what, I, I, Rifki, I work so much on emotions and feelings. If I have a niggly feeling in my stomach about something, after 10 minutes of a story up and I still have that niggly feeling, it's deleted. It's out. I cannot deal with niggly feelings. If I have a niggly feeling, that is how I work. I work a lot with my heart and my stomach is the gut. Everything's in the gut. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> in my gut. You know, it's a gut feeling. That's why they call it a gut feeling. It's not always in your heart. It's in your gut. If I feel that and it's connected somehow, I'm like, nah, nah. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's, it's instinct. It's instinct. Sometimes, sometimes you just know. Yeah, 
yeah. so, sometimes you just know this was so fun thank you so much for coming on Malky. this was awesome if somebody wants to see more of you where can they go they can go to Instagram, the underscore comic underscore cook, the comic cook, because, you know, obviously I started out as a food blogger and then I realized that I don't know how to give directions and I don't know how to measure salt or, or black pepper or oil. And I used to be like, oh, just sprinkle something. And I realized the majority of people want to know how much to put in. I was, and then I was like, hmm, maybe food blogging is not for me. People are like, you should, you should make a cookbook. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, the cookbook for intuitive chefs. You know, like how much salt to put in. If you cannot figure out how much salt to put into a thing, then the cookbook is not for you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no cookbooks, no food blogging. I do food blogging, but I like, I try to measure stuff, but it's just, it's very hard. So, it's not for me. So, yeah, so my, my page started out as a food blog. Then I ventured more into the funny, and then the blogging happened. So yeah, the comic book, I feel, encapsulates. Is that the word for it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, it, it's you in, a, in an Instagram handle. That's, that's for sure. You know, like when we had a meeting the other day with a few bloggers, we called each other by our handle names. I'm like, right. have real names these days. I'm a fashion. <laughs> I'm the comic book. That is me. So, so, so true. The last thing that I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Malky Floor, the comic cook. What does it mean to make an impact? It means to touch someone in, in any way, to inspire them, to make them happy, to laugh. If I make people laugh, if people told me I made them laugh, I feel like I've made an impact. I mean... Like I said, when I, I know that I inspired someone or I made them laugh or I touched them in any way, or let's say if I'm sharing something very serious and like, like hard, like the first day I put my child on the school bus, you know, becoming a big boy, I wrote a poem and people told me that they were sobbing when they read that. And I was like, for me, I touched them. And, if, and even if it's in this way, I feel like I connected with other women around the world. And for me, that is just impactful. You know. Thank you so much for coming on today, Monty. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Monty, her links are in the show notes. I've also included there the poem she just mentioned. It's really sweet. Give it a listen. You'll also find there links to the coziest scarf and the most comfortable mask. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They light up my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.